You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff. This is Triviality. The cream of the crop. Hey, welcome to Triviality, the show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. I am Ken. I will not be hosting. We have uh, some guests in the studio, I should say, and some over Skype. Uh, Right now, I want to introduce our normal panel, Matt, how you doing there? I am hanging in there. It is the day after St. Patrick's Day, and uh, Matt's not doing so hot. Well, I have to drink for four, so... That's definitely the kind of hanging you're doing. Yeah. He walked into the studio with a beer, uh-huh. so I don't know if he's still drunk or hungover, keep but... keep the party going, guys. How are you doing, Jeff and Neil? I'm all right. I'm doing all right. I, I, don't, I don't feel hungover. What's that thing called? The hair of the dog? Is that what Matt's doing right now? Is that what it's called? The hair of the dog? I don't know. Yeah, the hair of the dog. Is that right? No, okay. I don't know. Where you're drinking to stay... Stay drunk, I guess, so you don't get hungover. Stay, I don't know. You save off the the hangover by continuing to be drunk. Yeah, we gave him a, a limitless pill, but I, I, it hasn't worked yet. So we'll uh, see what happens. The, the limit is known. Actually. <laughs> it's a known quantity. Yeah. Well, enough of us. Uh, <laughs> let's introduce our special guest today in the studio. We have Max Miners. How you doing, Max? Hi, guys. Returning for the second time. Yeah, I've been welcomed into the dojo. Yeah, before you were a disembodied voice, uh, you found yourself in the Chicagoland area, so you waltzed right into our studio, and we said, sure, you can play. And I have to say, the Swayze poster is just as majestic in person as I would have guessed. Yeah, I apologize that my head is right under his crotch, but, uh, well, maybe not right under. Yeah, not from my point of view. Everything's fine for me. <laughs> and you don't apologize. <laughs> can you just uh, remind us a little bit about your background from last time? Sure. I'm from uh, Louisville, and I direct TV news. I've been in um, broadcasting in one form or another my entire life, and um, it's my favorite thing, and uh, trivia is my second favorite thing. And our special guest host uh, coming to us from Skype is Andrew Brown. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you all? Doing well. Uh, I I know we learned a little bit about you last time, but why don't you uh, refresh our memories and tell us where you're Skyping in from? Yeah, I'm uh, just outside Tulsa, Oklahoma. So um, I'm a teacher, trivia host, et cetera, et cetera. That et cetera, et cetera is, is where you make the big bucks, though. Well, sure not from teaching. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew was on a, a great episode. It's a, a special Harry Potter bonus episode that we did with uh, Aaron Barclay and a bunch of other great guests that uh, is going to be coming out soon. Uh, and Andrew uh, performed very well on that. He is a Harry Potter expert. So uh, Spelliamos, anyone who thinks they can beat him. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know. So. <laughs> is that is that Expelliarmus? That's the stag, right? No. No. Oh, okay. no. That's that's a Death Eater. That's a yeah. 
Oh, yeah. It's that, save it for the Harry Potter episode. Yeah. <laughs> We're billboarding it. So uh, today we're going to be doing a two-on-two match. It's going to be me and Max versus Jeff and Neil. So since Max's uh, normal team name is the Gina Davis All-Stars, we're going to be the Maitlands from Beetlejuice. Yeah, and uh, Max inspired us uh, to have a team name that is also from Beetlejuice, and we're going to be, Jeff? The Jupiter Sandworms. So it's the all Beetlejuice, uh, all Beetlejuice hour. Actually, I have a story about Beetlejuice really quick. You just we start. said it three times, Neil. Yeah. There's no more room in the studio for him, uh, though. So. so when I was a kid, uh, I watched a lot of like crazy movies and stuff. I never swore anything or did anything bad because I knew everything was fake. Makeup was fake, blood, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I saw Beetlejuice, one of my favorite movies, and I was on a walk with my dad to the corner. And if you remember in Beetlejuice, there's a scene where he's small and he like kicks a tree. And so we were walking and I saw a bush and I kicked it and I went, F***ing bush. <laughs> and, and my dad's like, where did you learn that? I was like, it's Beetlejuice. And so... He just yeah. said, yeah. But did you follow it up with a crotch honk? I, I might have. Yeah. A very, uh, I might have. Yeah. <laughs> I should have, if, if not. You're a precocious five-year-old. Yes, exactly. All right. Without further ado, we're going to try a little something new and have our rules uh, introduced by the disembodied voice of Darren, our voiceover guy. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, guys, everybody ready to get going? Woo. Yeah, I'm good. Let's do it. All right, take it away. All right, round one, question one. What Lord of the Rings alum voices Spyro the Dragon in The Legend of Spyro? Um, That's fine. What do you want to, what do you want to go with? I, doubt, I just don't think he would do it. No, I don't think so either. So maybe him or him? Yeah. All right, you, you pick out of those two then. You flip a coin. You hate Lord of the Rings, so. Just do do him. Okay. Okay, we're in. Okay. So um, the Spyro franchise has been around forever. The first one was on PlayStation in the mid-90s. And um, I definitely don't think it's going to be an older person. Right, because... Spyro's kind of a cuter purple yeah, dragon. Yeah, like right? cute, yeah. So we're immediately thinking The Hobbits. Um, mm-hmm. I want to kind of eliminate Billy Boyd and Don Monaghan. Uh, because they naturally have accents, and I don't think that Spyro would be like British or New Zealander. Yeah, I, um, I agree. Sean Astin has kind of a deeper voice, so I don't think it's him. So I kind of want to go with Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood does seem the most likely to be able to do a, like, if I'm going to cast a cartoon dragon. Right. All right, yeah. we'll go with Elijah Wood. We locked in with Elijah Wood. And the answer is Elijah Wood. Well, we could eliminate Christopher Lee right away because it was a recent game and he's dead. Ken's just salty because he's 0 for 2 against me and Jeff. All right. Question two. It's going to be a little bit of math for you guys. All right. The number of movies that Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze were in together plus the number of books in the Ender's Game main book series. I don't know. Say fish guess. You want to go like six? I'm okay to go two. I I really don't know. (laughs) I was thinking like, because I, I think Ender's Game, I think there are three or four of them, if, if I'm okay. thinking of the correct series. Yeah, let's go six. Okay. So um, I think pretty quickly Neil identified um, that there are two movies in which they co-star. If I'm forgetting one, um, 
I don't. I, I might be forgetting one, but it's Red Dawn and and uh, Dirty Dancing. Okay, uh, they're both uh, Wolverines. So and the book series, if I'm being honest, I think there's quite a few. There's more than my, it's more than a trilogy. My gut says, yeah, my gut says it's at least four. At least, okay. So I was thinking maybe five because I remember hearing once that there were quite a few books in that series. If I'm thinking of the right series, so I would be safe to go probably four. Uh, okay, so is, we're either going to go six or seven, unless you, if, if you think it's this wouldn't be five, right? It could um, be. No, I feel like the Ender's Game series had quite a few more books than I was thinking it would. So I mean, okay. I, I thought it had one. All so. right, so let's go six or seven then. Yeah, let's go. Let's go six. Okay. All right. Uh, the answer is actually seven. Mm. Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze did star in both Red Dawn and Dirty Dancing. So there's two there, and then there's five in the main wow. Ender's Game series. I knew there were a lot. I knew there was more than three. Man. That's one of my favorite book series. Question three. A puggle is the name for what baby monotream? Falling down on the science here. We're in. Okay, they're in? Yeah. So I don't know what that last word means. I'm just guessing it's what two species make up the breed of dog that's a puggle. No, a monotream is... is uh, <laughs> it's it's one of something, but I can't remember what it's one of. Um, so it's he's not looking for pug and... Uh, not doodle. What's the word I'm looking for? The, Muggle. The French poodle. A poodle. Not a pug and a poodle. No, I don't think so. Okay, but I have no better idea. So that's, that's fine. fine. You just want to? I I don't know what monotreen is. I I can't remember offhand. Do you just want to say uh, pug and um, poodle? Sure. Okay, so we're gonna lock in with pug and poodle. Um, I just had this stored in the back of my brain somewhere, and I could be wrong, but I think it's a platypus. Well. A platypus is a monotreme, but it's not the monotreme I'm looking for. It's oh, the other it's one. The it's the echidna. A monotreme is actually a mammal that lays eggs, as opposed to giving okay. a live birth. All right, question four. What movie features the following actors? Matt Damon, Fred Armisen, and Lucy Lawless. Ooh. I think that's it. Okay. I think they're cameos, both of them. But... We're locked in then. I right, think. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that's right. Okay. Yes, I co-sign your answer. Then. Did you write Encino Man? <laughs> I, yeah, Encino All right, we're Man. in for sure. <laughs> You're in for sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, initially, I was thinking maybe it's just like a random movie, like Stuck on You with Greg Kinnear, the uh, Fairly Brothers movie, where they're attached to the hip, and you saw a cameo from uh, Housing Development Secretary uh, Ben Carson. Um, but uh, I was thinking, like, what movies would Fred Armisen be in? And I was like, well, he had a really good cameo as a guy who gets way too close to people on a train in the movie Euro Trip, where Matt Damon played the uh, boyfriend that uh, mm. Kristen Crook cheated on her on the main character with. So Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. So we, we locked in with Euro Trip. And we locked in with the same, uh, uh, kind of unable to place Lucy Lawless's cameo, but I'm pretty sure it's in there somewhere. Miscuzzi. Miscuzzi. That's it. Yeah. Miscuzzi. Well, the answer is Euro Trip. Uh, <laughs> Lucy Lawless was the owner of the brothel when they went to the Netherlands. That's right. It's an underappreciated gem. I used to I really like love that watching that in college, and yeah, it is very underrated. Because my favorite part of that whole movie is they go to that really uh, sort of destroyed area of Eastern Europe, and he goes, "You American?" And they're like, "Yeah." And he goes, "My wise number one TV show." So <laughs> that's my favorite scene. That movie is way funnier than it has any business yeah. being whatsoever. It is. Yeah, you're right. It's a pretty fantastic movie. All right, question five. Ernest Hemingway isn't the name most think of. When discussing sports literature, what sport was Hemingway's "Death in the Afternoon" about? Are oh, you guys are in? It's not an um, actual. Yeah. Sport. Oh no, you're just thinking. Sorry, take your time. No, take no, no. I'm, I think we can lock in. I'm gonna go and lock in. 
Okay, so they're locked in. Um, I'm any, totally fine with that. Well, okay, so out loud, I know there's an Ernest Hemingway book about bullfighting, but I feel like that's the one, it's definitely a different title than De- Death in the Afternoon. I mean, it is Death in the Afternoon, Neil. Okay. I, it I sounds know, like a reasonable guess. I know he wrote a book about bullfighting, so you okay. just want to go with that? That sounds like two reasonable things to base an assumption on. Okay. Yes. All right, I'm not normally right with literature, but we're going to lock in with bullfighting over here. We're going with boxing on our end. Uh, the correct answer is bullfighting. Wow. All right, after question five, we have 30 for Jupiter Sandworms and 20 for the Maitlands. Great. Close game. Yeah, great game so far, Andrew. Thank you. Question six. What mythical flying creature is one of the national animals of Greece? Ooh. We were just talking with Max beforehand about our weakness in mythology. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah, I'd be good with that. Okay, we're locked in. Yeah, I mean, you basically only have a couple of options. You're locked in? Yeah, yep. we're locked we're in. Locked Feel in. free to talk it up. Yeah, you basically only have a couple of options when it comes to, like, majorly well-known um, mythical creatures that fly. You've got a griffin, for example, but I like your answer. Which you right. down. We're going to go Pegasus. We went with the winged horse Pegasus. Unfortunately, the correct answer is the phoenix. Ooh. Uh, no one was thinking phoenix. That's pretty great. That's a great fact to remember. Wow. Phoenix. Yeah. Any any background on that, or just just the Phoenix? Uh, I think it has something to do with like their they have a, like country motto, and it's something about like rebirth or something. Oh, makes sense. Okay. Hopefully, we can rise so. from the ashes of this question. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question seven is going to be a musical before and after. Mm-hmm. So combined in two songs. If Boys to Men and Meatloaf collaborated about a sexual encounter lasting the entirety of the twilight hours while speechless on a beach i think we're in with a guess right yeah we're, we're gonna go on and lock in with a with a we'll say a very well-educated guess <laughs> that's kind of where we're at <laughs> okay yeah we we locked in with we, we're not sure if we have the title of one of the songs right but we're locked in as well um we you want me to give this one okay so we definitely had the meat love song paradise by the dashboard light um because your clue about the beach led us there. So we were thinking, and then we noticed that you were very carefully phrasing to not say all night long or something like that, but through the twilight hours. So we guessed that perhaps Boys to Men might have had a track called All Night Paradise. So we said All Night Paradise by the Dashboard Light. That's our guess. Yeah, that sounds correct. Um, we we immediately latched on to I'll Make Love to You, and we tried to make it fit by cutting off the uh, to you. So we just put I'll Make Love by the Dashboard Light. Okay, well, "I'll Make Love to You" was the Boys to Men song. Oh, but but the Meatloaf song was "You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth." Oh, so it's, you took the words. I'll right make out love of to you. Yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. Ah, yeah, that's a great album. So that's, story, yeah, story about that song. So it opens with Meatloaf and the person you know talking back and forth. You know, would you uh, would you offer your throat to the, with the red roses? You know, I love you. That sort of thing. Uh, that's actually what I proposed to my wife with. We were at a concert, and I, I asked her, would you offer your throat with, red, with the Wolf the Red Roses? Ooh. Oh, so that's kind of, she loves meatloaf and whatnot. So but it was at an uh, ACDC Aerosmith concert, too. Wow. <laughs> that's so awesome. That's pretty sweet. Now, is uh, that's from Bad Out of Hell, right? Uh, is that from Bad Out of Hell? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a great album. That's He's his part of meatloaf than I am. My girlfriend's all-time favorite is Morrissey, so that would be a bit of a harder stunt for me to pull off. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, she would tell you to stop, please, please. <laughs> All right, question eight. Adjusted for inflation, what is the highest grossing live action non-Disney musical movie of all time there are worse movies you could see okay that sounds right all right we're in i have seen that it's just been a long time but uh, that sounds that there wasn't like a huge like singing in the rain or (laughs) well singing in the rain is great so jeff and i i wrote down immediately one of the most uh one of the highest grossing musicals of all time is sound of music uh it's over past like a billion something like that um a lot of i mean it still plays live a lot of places they do a lot of live screenings so if it's made over a couple billion um, adjusted for inflation, that could be a pretty high purse. Um, any other ideas that you have, Jeff? No, the the only thing I was trying to think for sure was was this for sure not a Disney movie? Because um, I, I know I know no, Disney no, had um, a lot of involvement with I stuff. Think like... Sound of Music is MGM. Okay, I was or, saying, or Paramount. No, no, maybe Paramount. Could be. I mean, there was because uh, they did uh, Mary Poppins back in the day. Then that would have been quite popular. That was a Disney film. That was a Disney film. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was theirs. Yep. Um, so I think what we should do is any answer that we had, we replace it with Christopher Plummer. And we go, Sound of Music, do you want to just go for it? Yeah, I'm fine Okay, because I can't think of anything else at the moment. So we're going to lock in with Sound of Music on uh, Team uh, Jupiter Sandworms. So after a little bit of uh, consideration for that hint, I think I finally picked up on it. And uh, you said there are worse films you could see. And I mm-hmm. equated that to the song, There Are Worse Things I Could Do from yeah. Greece. So I think I'm going to go with Greece. And the correct answer is Grease. Oh, I didn't even think about that clue. Yeah, that's like my favorite movie musical too. Man, my mom's going to be pissed. Oh, jeez, come on. Oh, come on, guys. Come on, Sandy. Please. <laughs> Responsible for him. by far the most obnoxious karaoke song. Oh, mm. yes. Summer Lovin'? Yeah, that yeah. has got to be banned in every karaoke bar. No. That one in... Uh, it's the worst. I think it's a blast. All right, question nine. What 11-time NBA All-Star who spent most of his career with the New York Knicks, was nicknamed the Hoya Destroya. He may have flown in Star Wars, too. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll write Star down Wars some pilots. Star Wars pilots, you and you yeah. can write down some basketball players, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh. The only reason I'm saying this is because if you take this out... Yeah, I'm, I'm, aware of, I'm aware of what you're getting at. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I know, I know the college that he went to, and it, it would make sense with his question. How would it make sense with the question? Because their mascot is what's in the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Painful to listen to. (laughs) I got it right away. I was being dumb. Pain don't hurt, so I'm good. We're in. We're locked in. Us too? Yes. Yeah, so um, we were just... uh, I think we were both kind of writing down Star Wars pilots, and I was trying to come up with any NBA player that matched. And we had uh, gone through uh, Finn and Poe and Biggs and Wedge, and then... I paused for a moment and went, wait a minute, I'm leaving out my absolute favorite character from this newest one, Rose. And I believe there is a very, very uh, solid NBA player named Derek Rose, so we're going to go with Rose. He hasn't been very Formerly solid. solid. <laughs> <laughs> Formerly solid, whatever. His knee is definitely solid. His knees are not solid, yeah. Uh, gonna either way. Um, so um, I, don't, I don't sports. I Star Wars more than I sports, but I know the name Derek Rose associated with basketball. So That's most of us, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, with Jeff, um, I just when he said Hoya Destroya, um, I was thinking of Georgetown, which Patrick Ewing um went to and i thought of the name ewing like x-wing um, or e- ewing or ewing i guess <laughs> so uh we went with patrick ewing the correct answer is patrick ewing yeah. and the thing is he was in space jam right 
He was. Yeah. yeah. I had a picture of him in my head like the entire time. I was like, "What's that guy's yeah. name?" And I couldn't come up. <laughs> and is he wing a star? Is that a is that a ship yeah, in Star yeah, Wars? Be a... Well, it sounds like it would be. That's why I said he may have flown in Star Wars. E-wing. Yeah, I was gonna say I remember the A wing and the B wing and the X wing and the Y wing. Obviously, there had to be wings in between. The right? U wing would fly okay. Yeah. <laughs> not not toward the end of its career though. It probably it's a triple would, gunner. Uh, end up in Canada for a season and not do so long. <laughs> All right, and the last question of the round. What country's flag features the Union Jack in the upper left on a field of blue? In the bottom right of the flag is a coat of arms featuring a British lion holding a cocoa pod, as well as panels that display a palm tree, sugarcane, bananas, and a dove of peace. Mm. That sounds like a flag I would create when I was 10, to be honest. (laughs) Do you know this one, Jeff? Um, not off the top of my head, but we can talk it out in a minute. Okay. I'll ha- I'll have some regrets if, if... <laughs> that's okay. We're we're making this bad decision together. Mm. Let's um, go with it. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that. We're gonna lock in. Okay. So, uh, what are you thinking, Jeff? So, uh, <clears throat> I've definitely seen the flag in question. Um, thinking of blue flags with Union Jacks in the top left, um, you're often drawn to Australia which has mm-hmm. a constellation on it. I can't remember which one. Does New Zealand have that? New Zealand also does. Yeah, mm-hmm. New Zealand has uh, red stars, the Southern Cross, if I'm not mistaken. Um, those are a darker blue. I'm pretty sure this flag is like a lighter blue than those two. Um, and I'm thinking it's definitely an island or an island chain. Right, because you said Most likely in the tree. South Pacific. Um, what, palm trees, sugar cane, and something right, else? Right. Um, things that come to mind as far as former British territories that were islands. Um, the British Virgin Islands mm-hmm. may have a flag like that. Um, but I'm thinking it's South Pacific, and I'm trying to think of what the nation might be. I, I'm pretty sure it's a different flag than the one he described, but we'll go British Virgin Islands. Okay, so British Virgin Islands, uh, final answer over here. Initially, I had uh, written down New Zealand, but we felt that was too simple of a flag. Yeah, um, I, I agreed that it had to be in that region, though, similar to what you guys were thinking. So I wrote down some that I thought, uh, like you said, Jeff, might have been former colonies. I wrote down Tuvalu, and I wrote Fiji. And we ended up going with Tonga. Ooh. Okay. Uh, the correct answer is actually Fiji. Oh. oh. <laughs> as soon as you said Fiji, I went. You yeah. If you would have said there was a nice bottle of water on the flag. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't have been a hint then. That would yeah. have been the answer. <laughs> it's the island of Dasani. <laughs> uh, so what's our, what's our score update here? All right. So at the conclusion of the first round, we have the Jupiter Sandworms with 40. And the Maitlands with 30. Ooh, tough game here, Andrew. Well, well-written game. For your swing round today, I'm going to give you presidential nicknames, 10 of them, and you'll have to name the president for five points apiece. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Number one is old sink or swim. Number two is last of the cocked hats. Number three is shrub. Number four is Coiner of Weasel Words. Number five is Grandfather's Hat. Number six is Dude President. Number seven is Sir Vito. Number eight is Purse. Number nine is Machiavellian Belshazzar. And 10 is Old Man Eloquent. Wow. Wow. Wow is right. What mm. else can you say except wow? After I was I was ready, too. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> old Hickory, 
old Kinder Hook. Old I was like, and feathers. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I got these. A lot of them are old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to remind to remind those listening at home, I am a history teacher. So we're just gonna take a, a moment here to talk amongst ourselves, and we'll come back with our our logic. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Some of these you kind of want to go based on like, you know, their deeds and who they are. And then sometimes you, you think these names maybe come from their political opponents and maybe they're meant in a sarcastic way so that's where it got really difficult yeah we weren't sure if these were their actual nicknames because we, we wrote a couple of names we're like we're pretty sure that's not their nickname but as ken said we thought maybe someone kind of slung some mean words at them and that was what they called them so um i guess you want to just start with uh well you kind of do a little recap andrew uh per question then we'll each give our answer okay so number one was old sink or swim so uh, I think I heard some chatter on the other side of the room about going with a, like a Navy man. Uh, we kind of had that idea too and picked an old guy and went with William Henry Harrison, short though his stay was. Okay. Um, we went with somebody who wasn't in the Navy necessarily, but was a five-star general. Um, somebody who I could definitely see having the attitude of sink or swim, and we went Eisenhower. Okay. Well, the correct answer was no one that had to do with the Navy. Uh, but it was John Adams. Oh, oh okay, Mr. Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. Could he not swim, yeah. or what was what was that about? <laughs> uh, I, I just think his whole policy for stuff was like the kind of, we're gonna sur- either survive on our own or yeah. we're gonna die together. Basically. That makes sense. Much like Andrew's teaching style with his students, yeah. sink or swim. Yeah. After we fail each one of these, you can give us a little recap on why why that nickname was given. That'd be great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know it on all of them. <laughs> yeah, whatever ones you have, throw it out there. All right. Uh, number two was last of the cocked hats. My logic on this one was we went with somebody who was kind of known for being slack jawed in his way of speaking, if you will. Um, so we went with LBJ. Hmm. Yeah, we uh, we were just trying to think of the last president who may have wore one of those three pointed hats. <laughs> so we went uh, Thomas Jefferson. Okay. Well. 
It was based on the type of actual hat, but actually the last person to wear it in presidency was James Monroe. Mm. Ooh, wow. one off. Wow. I wrote Monroe earlier and then crossed it out thinking, no, it didn't go that late. It was Goodbye. literally about a hat. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I told Jeff all I could get, get in my head was that meme of the guy on the painting who has like his fingers outstretched. And he's like, hey. Dude, I totally thought of that guy too. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what that is or that who is he is. hilarious. But that's all I could think about. Right. Darn. Number three is Shrub. Uh, heard this one thrown around a lot in high school. If it's the guy that I'm thinking of, we went with George W. Bush. Ooh, that would make sense. We went with somebody who looks like a shrub, Martin Van Buren. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> it is George W. Bush. Uh, uh, there will be points in this round. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> All right, four coiner of weasel words. So I went with somebody who was great at um, words generally. Um, although it wasn't very public. We went Warren G. Harding. Mm. <laughs> That's right. He was a newspaper publisher, wasn't he? And a prolific letter writer. Um, look that up, guys. The Warren G. Harding uh, letters. <laughs> Are those the ones to the... Yes, to yeah, his okay. mistress. Yeah. yeah, you want to know a little too much about uh, presidential penises. Yeah. Um, anyways. Very, very stormy. The LBJ tapes are pretty good for that, too. <laughs> anyways... Um, <laughs> yeah, those, those. those audio recordings are great his are more about his nuts but so <laughs> i can't believe a president would talk like that well he you got to make sure he's got enough crotch room in that's the right <laughs> anyways uh we went on this one somebody uh who is very eloquent but maybe the political opponents who opposed um the things he was saying didn't appreciate it so we went with lincoln uh it is someone who's good with words but it was woodrow wilson mm. Ooh, Woody. okay PhD. Please don't say Woody right now after we've been talking about penises that much. Are we over? Yes, you are over for four. four. Okay. Low Warren G. <laughs> Number five is grandfather's hat. Uh, logic here for me was somebody who was known for kind of being uh, old-fashioned and stiff as a grandfather's hat might be, I guess. So we went with Calvin Coolidge. Hmm. That would make a lot of sense. Um, we went again on the hat. Uh, who famously wore a hat? Grandfather clocks are tall. We went tall hat. Abe Lincoln. Uh, well, this is actually uh, Benjamin Harrison, the only grandson president. Oh. oh. Of course. That makes sense. If I thought about it that way. <laughs> uh, number six, dude president. Um, well, you know, who's kind of a cool dude? We are thinking uh, it's probably Clinton. Exact same logic over here. We also said Clinton. Uh, well, this would be the first cool dude president, and that was Chester Arthur. Oh, <laughs> Chester, Chester Arthur, Arthur. Yeah, was a cool dude, <laughs> known for known for his cool dudeness. Yeah, this might be our first swing our swing around with zero points. In there's, all there's fairness, not a lot of swinging. In I do think Chester Arthur is the only president directly referenced in a Die Hard film, so he's got that going for That's him. That's true. That does make him pretty cool. <laughs> Sorry Number to ruin seven. the giant plot point of Die Hard Three. <laughs> if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Number seven is Sir Vito. Okay, so the logic here is, um, I think, and I think we would agree um, with the other team, uh, it was somebody who basically vetoed everything that came across their desk. Um, I was trying to remember specifically who that was. I feel like Andrew Johnson held up a lot um, during the Reconstruction era, basically vetoing everything. Um, I know that he almost got ousted from office, uh, famously missing by only one vote. Um, so he said Andrew Johnson. Um, I, logic here was just a guy who would have had more time to veto more stuff. So we said FDR. 
the answer is Andrew Johnson. Mm. Yeah. Nice, Jeff. Yeah, because yeah. I was I was immediately going, uh, oh, it's Vito Corleone. Yeah. FDR famously did a lot of stuff to get around that. He was quite popular. He packed the court. I mean, he was able to push through a lot of legislation. I don't think he had to veto very much. But Andrew Johnson, I definitely remember him like basically stalling the government completely because he was afraid of people breaking out and fighting again. Was that uh, Lincoln's running mate? Yes. Okay. Yeah, of a different political party. (laughs) I got something right. (laughs) All right. Eight is purse. Um, We went the irony route on this one and went with a guy who was famously not great with economics because he sunk us into the Great Depression. So Mm. we said Hoover. Yeah, we we thought this could go one of two ways. Um, Andrew Jackson famously paid off the national debt. So um, he was pretty tight with the purse strings. Thought it could be that. Um, But we figured it was probably more the ironic take. And we went Herbert Hoover. Uh, This is actually someone who was a very wealthy president at the time. It was Mm. actually Franklin Pierce. Mm. Ah. Oh, oh, we're learning a lot. Pierce. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's gotcha. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to learn anything. Yeah. Prove it. <laughs> you will not remember this tomorrow. Number nine, Machiavellian Belshazzar. Sounds like a cool MMA name. So if you're <laughs> if you're talking about somebody who's um, Machiavellian, basically willing to do whatever it takes, and and uh, the presumption I think is pretty cutthroat here. Um, this president was reviled. He was absolutely hated um, by a lot of his cohorts um, for shaking things up. And uh, we went Andrew Jackson. A lot of people thought that he was basically going to burn the country to the ground. So We went with a guy who isn't very popular either. We said Trump. <laughs> well, this is one that's very familiar because it was on the Game of Death episode I was on. It's old Kinderhook himself, Van Buren. Uh, oh. The, the follow-up to Andrew Jackson. Uh, and then number 10 is Old Man Eloquent. We just went with an old man here uh, with a way of speaking and went with Eisenhower. Hmm. Um, Ronald Reagan was had, had a good film presence. He was well, definitely an old well, man. We one for the Gipper. We thought maybe this was the the ironic take though, and we went Trump. All right. Well, I started the round with John Adams, and I ended it with John Quincy Adams. Mm. Mm. Old Anthony Hopkins coming to bite us in the ass again. <laughs> so big five for both teams. Yeah. After a, after a rousing swing round, we have the scores at 45 to 35. Jupiter Sandworms in the lead. All right, so after that um, calamity, uh, <laughs> let's uh, talk to Max a little bit about uh, his podcast. This is odd. I'm not used to like plugging my podcast. I think it's the first time I've actually done a plug for my podcast on another podcast. You should. You're awesome. So man. thanks, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a show called Offbeat Tracks with my friend Danielle, and um, we're both kind of obsessed with 80s music a lot. So our thing is like songs that were hits but that you forgot about, or like exploring the careers of one hit wonders outside of that one hit that they had. So um, all fun things like that. We're at offbeattrackscast.com, and we're on all of the major podcast subscription sites, too. We're in iTunes. We're in Google Play, et cetera, et cetera. And we're nice, and we talk. So <laughs> yeah, no, make sure you guys some emails and whatnot. Sweet. Um, well, yeah, thank you, Max. Uh, guys, make sure to check out offbeattrackscast.com. That's that it. Right? Great. And just offbeat tracks on all of the uh, all of the sites. Offbeat tracks on your preferred it, podcast. It, I say any, anywhere you get great podcasts. That's right. <laughs> right. All right. Round two, question one. William Rast Clothing Brand was co-founded by what We're woodsy in. celebrity? We're in. <laughs> was that William Rast or Raft? Like Rast, R-A-S-T. I think it's this. Oh, <laughs> okay. Sure, makes sense. Just based on Neil's speed. <laughs> okay, uh, Neil's speed. And he, the... he showed his hand. 
he said woodsy celebrity, didn't he? Yeah. yeah so we're going with uh, Timberlake. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the company is uh, named after him and his best friend's uh, grandfathers. as Justin Timberlake. It is, in fact, Justin Timberlake. That was my bad, Jeff. I should you, have showed my head. You played yourself. <laughs> you played yourself. Another one. All right. Question two. On The Simpsons, yes. what phrase appears on the outside of the uh, Springfield Museum building? Mm, that's, that's a, tough that's one. a deep dive. Oh. I, think but, we're, I think we got to consider um, Jebediah Springfield's tongue mm-hmm. for this question. Okay. All right, we're locked in. You're in. Um, I I have no idea. Do you have any ideas? No, I, I don't. Um, I, I've seen some Simpsons episodes. I I maybe have seen like five. Uh, how about just this is a museum? That's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're in with this is a museum. I at first I couldn't get the word knowledge out of my head, and then I was thinking that maybe I was confusing that. I think there's another building in in the Springfield canon called the Knowledgeium or something like that. So I think that's what I was thinking of. Um, we went with a phrase that I know is part of the Springfield canon, but I think this is actually like Jebediah Springfield's motto. But we went with the, this may be plastered on the museum as well, but it's a noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. Well, the correct answer is actually truth, knowledge, gift shop. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. that was a joke. Yeah, uh, definitely is in the Simpsons or in Springfield. Uh, and we know that things that are fun don't end in eum. <laughs> That's right. Question three. Since we are recording the day after St. Patrick's Day, I thought this question was appropriate. Who is the Roman patron, patron saint of hangovers? Hmm. There's actually a saint for hangovers? There are saints of about a lot of things, but hangovers is one of the things they are a saint of. Oh. Hmm. We're in. So uh, on on this one, Neil, do you know the the patron saint of like festivals and good times? I can't. I have no idea. I mean, you might know more saints' names than I would. Well, is it uh, is it Janus, Janus in the uh, in the Greek, or is it in the in the Roman? Is it, I know it's is it Gemini at that point. I can't remember. I have no idea. You pick. I don't know. Sure. Well, uh, we'll go Gemini. I know it's two faced. So which is like Matt. There's happy Matt and drunk Matt. <laughs> so our answer is Gemini. <laughs> sure. Okay. Gemini. Uh, when talking about Roman and drunkenness, my. Mine goes to Bacchus right away. Bacchus. Well, the correct answer is Saint Bibiana. Ooh. Not familiar with that saint. Bibiana. Nope. Oh. Oh, Start praying, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) I'll offer you guys up as a sacrifice. (laughs) Is that how it works? (laughs) He'll do it, too. All right. Question four. What were the last two letters added to the English alphabet? You want both letters, right, Andrew? These two, right? Yes, yes, both letters. Yes. Okay. All right, we're locked in. All right, you can talk it out, Jeff. I, I think your logic's good on one of them. I don't know about the other one. That might be just a guess. So we're what, obviously thinking that these were sounds that existed but maybe had a different symbol or different, uh, you know, original etymology. Um, English is a pretty good blend of a couple different languages, including uh, Greek, Roman, mm-hmm. German. Um, we can go Q and U. Okay, Q and U. Okay, so I threw this one mostly to Max. Um he came up right away and said uh, J was the most recent letter to be added. And then Definitely. we were thinking about the next one, and he wrote down a film that came out a few years ago. It's pretty good, pretty scary. It's called The Vavitch. And so we went with W as our second one, J and W. So if you combined your two answers, you'd be correct, because the answer is J and U. Mm. Okay. All right. Question five. Alba is the Gaelic name for what country? think we're locked in yeah we're, we're locked in uh unsuredly 
Mm-hmm. All right, so we're just kind of mulling over some different like UK members. Um, Northern Ireland, I wrote down. You wrote down Scotland and Wales. I don't. I mean, I like your answer of of Northern Ireland. Okay. I think I can co-sign that. Because I guess there would be a, a need for them to have a name, distinguish that yeah. section of. All right, we'll go with that. The Irish Irish mainland. So. Um, I think that answer makes the most sense, seeing as how um, Gaelic is a pretty Irish language. Mm-hmm. Um, we know it wasn't actually Ireland, because that's Aaron, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, but we thought maybe there was some other weird tie-ins. Wales is um, riddled with interesting names, so we went Wales. Right. The correct answer was said, although not guessed. The answer was Scotland. <laughs> oh. Hmm. All right. Question six. Former NBA player Kevin Ollie went to Crenshaw High School in L.A., the same school as what Law & Order SVU star? Okay, we're in. Sure. Okay, we're in too. <laughs> uh, so we just went with um, the one we know is, is from Crenshaw, and we went with uh, Ice-T. Yeah, he handles New York's most sensitive cases, right. uh, Ice-T. <laughs> yep, the correct answer is Ice-T. Man, it's funny that it's an iced tea question that we, we end up getting in this hard round. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, John Mulaney's bit about iced tea, uh, honestly, is probably one of the best. A plus. Mm-hmm. I love John Mulaney. I love his stand-up. Yeah. All right, question seven. This one's a little long, so bear with me. Okay. What tobacco farmer was thrown in prison by Queen Elizabeth I for having a love affair with one of her handmaidens? Eventually, he was released and married the woman, Bessie Throckmorton. During James I's reign, he was framed for plotting against the throne and beheaded. Uh, so they're in um, Cromwell, I believe he was beheaded? Pretty sure he was beheaded. I just feel, I don't know if he was a tobacco farmer. I, I know. F- I feel like that was during the reign of James I, too. Okay, I mean, that the name rings a bell. I remember we had a question on one of our very early episodes recorded at your house. I think Ken asked it. It was about a painting with like a wart on it. Warts and all. Cromwell. Yeah. Um, that could be right. I mean, it makes sense time period wise. I just, I don't know if he was a tobacco farmer. I thought he was more of like a political religious leader, but um, it, it's, I'm not going to come up with anything better. He was definitely better. a political... Good job to Neil for remembering something from episode four. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, I was, well, I had the same thought too, immediately. Um, that's why I'm wondering if I'm just thinking of episode four and not but the, I mean, that's the only I, name I don't I remember him being a religious leader. He was definitely a political opponent, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you necessarily... He could have farmed tobacco. I mean, a lot of people farm things oh, that well, uh, when they have other jobs. Well, so. I'm assuming... <laughs> I think James I was early 1600s. There was a lot of farmers. So. Yeah, let's just go with it. We're going to go with not James Cromwell. We're just going to go with Cromwell. <laughs> um, Ken immediately wrote down Guy Fawkes, mm. and then we kind of rolled back on that and yeah, thought maybe yeah. he was hung. Most most of my uh, knowledge of Guy Fawkes is from V for Vendetta, yes. and I know in that movie he's hung... Um, hanged. So, hanged. Thank you. <laughs> He's hanged. I, well, it could have been both. I, <laughs> I latched on to the clue about that he, he was a tobacco farmer and Elizabeth I, so this would have been like late 1500s, I think. I don't know if this is a real person, but when I think um, British, someone associated with British royalty and then tobacco, perhaps a, a tongue-in-cheek name, Prince Albert, we wrote down. Oh, Okay. Well, the correct answer is tobacco farmer Sir Walter Raleigh. Oh, oh Raleigh. Oh. All right. Question eight. In the Archie comic series, what is Jughead's full name? Oh, oh. my God. 
Colleen is a huge fan of the show and she's been watching it, but I haven't been watching it with her. Riverdale? R- Riverdale, yeah. yeah. And uh, she says that the guy who plays like Jughead looks like me and her friend said that. So I wanted to watch it just to see what he looks like. So you did that and now you know the answer, right? <laughs> maybe <laughs> Go it's, on. Maybe it's Jughead-a-thon. Yeah. Jughead-a-dia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I want to say his last name is maybe like Wilson or something. So and I can't think of it. It's a very like... That sounds reasonable. I think Wilson might be right, mm. but I can't... I don't know what it is. I don't... Um, Jug Reinhold. James, Jug, Steve, Jughead, Wilson. Let's just go... Um, <laughs> Jug Reinhold. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's just go. Um, um, Mock trial. My name is Doug. <laughs> uh, Steve Wilson. Okay, Steve Wilson. We're going Michael Douglas. <laughs> the correct answer is Forsyth Pendleton Jones the Third. Okay. So close. Yeah. Very close. You were that good in there. Nope. On uh, on the show, they call his dad. His dad goes by the name FP. Because that's the first two words, then he'd be the second. So Joe mm-hmm. had to be the third. And his dad is portrayed by Skeet Ulrich from Scream. All right. Question nine. What scientist is credited with inventing the first rubber balloon? He used them in 1824 for his experiments with hydrogen at the Royal Institute in London. We are locked in. Okay. I have, I don't, I have no idea if that's the right era for that guy, but let's go with Niels Bohr. I don't think I don't think Bohr was born for another eighty years, um, but we went Goodyear. Okay, uh, the correct answer is, answer is Michael Faraday. Ah, mm. that's oh. the other one. He made a cage. Need, right? need to refresh uh, my uh, my Cosmos viewing. Mm. Question ten: Who is Sports Illustrated's first Sportsman of the Year in nineteen fifty four? All right, we're in. So we. Um, Ken and I are kind of in two different directions on this right now. I immediately thought uh, Boxer. I actually did too until I thought of Lou Gehrig. I had written down Joe Lewis, but then he wrote Lou Gehrig. And yeah, I think I like Lou Gehrig better. And that's true with the racial tensions of the time. Yeah, let's go with Lou Gehrig. Okay. Um, We had thought maybe Reggie, or um, not Reggie Jackson, that he was too late. Jackie Um, Robinson. Jackie Robinson, but I thought probably not um, that, you know, it was a long time before african-americans uh got covers on anything uh even if they were outstanding athletes so um, we just want joe dimaggio all right and the correct answer is roger bannister <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> running that uh sub four minute mile is that what it was yeah roger bannister he was hmm. he was the first i think to break yeah the sounds about minute, right the four minute mile wow i never heard that name Jeez. yeah all right, after the second round, we have the Jupiter Sandworms with 65 and the Maitlands with 55. Hmm. So uh, Very close. High-scoring game here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Very good questions. I didn't realize it was going to be so tough. Well, no, you came back from the uh, the game of death and uh, are giving it to us pretty good, so <laughs> yeah. it's all right. We deserve it. Well, I think it's like, hardened you and toughened you up. So now. Yeah. All right, and here are five categories for the final round. Category one is going to be Eclipse. Category two is FU. Category three is Warrior Pride. Category four is Obligatory Sports Question. And category five is Christmas. All right. And the wagers are locked in. Andrew, ready with the questions? All right. Question one, category is Eclipse. Many cultures have myths regarding eclipses. 
In Norse mythology, what animal is responsible for eating the sun during an eclipse? Question two. Category is FU. The only chemical element to have the letters FU appear consecutively, at least in American English spellings. Element number 16. Question three. Warrior pride. Arguably the greatest female warrior ever, Joan of Arc was executed in 1431. 460 years later, in 1891, Joan of Arc was sainted. Which pope sainted her? Question four, obligatory sports question. The Golden State Warriors currently currently play in Oakland, California. But where did this team originate in 1946? Question five, Christmas. In which work by Shakespeare does a man dressed as a woman fall in love with a woman dressed as a man at Christmas? Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Things done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. So we're pretty sure on the fifth one, um, obligatory sports. me more certain. Just think about that, so I'll talk. Um, obligatory sports question. We have no idea, so we're just going to write a city. Um, warrior pride. I don't know any pope's names. I'm just going to write a um, going to write a name. Well, Jeff thinks of the element here. Uh, we wrote a uh, an animal for the first one, but we're not sure. Hopefully, we won't have to be more specific. And um, yeah, we're just waiting on Jeff with this element because I, I can't think of any. So yeah. Or, you can't think of any can you we'll just talk about they're in already so just can you just name some elements that yeah. have like an fu sound oh fusion oh, forfium. oh you got it okay <laughs> question one the category was eclipse 
Many cultures have myths regarding eclipses. In Norse mythology, what animal is responsible for eating the sun during an eclipse? All right, and both teams have 10 points wagered on this question. Um, okay, so for Jeff and I, we weren't sure. We were trying to think of animals that are consistent with Norse mythology. We couldn't really come up with a great list. Then we were thinking of animals that maybe would seem powerful enough to um, to, to, to do this, basically. But uh, we really couldn't come with, up with anything specific, so I'm not sure if you need more specificity, but we just said bird. And um, likewise, uh, let us know if you need us to be more specific. Uh, we ended up considering a couple prevalent animals in Norse mythology, but ended up like pulling out and considering the tree of Yggdrasil and what was something that might be sulking around in a tree and went with a serpent. Okay. Well, the correct answer on that one is a wolf. Oh, that makes sense. That was Jeff's first guess. We didn't go with it. Yeah. yeah all those, eats uh, the sun, brings out the night. That's all those cool shirts for the yeah. wolves howling at the moon. The three wolf moon. That's right. All right. Question two, the category is FU. The only chemical element to have the letters FU appear consecutively, at least in American English spellings. Element number 16. All right, the Maitlands with 10 points on this, and Jupiter with a Golden State 5. Ooh. This one popped in pretty quickly, just one of those things. I think it's sulfur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm disappointed we didn't wager more. Um, so F you to this question, we went sulfur. <laughs> yep, and the correct answer is sulfur. Question three, the category was Warrior Pride. Arguably the greatest female warrior ever, Joan of Arc was executed in 1431. 460 years later, in 1891, Joan of Arc was sainted. Which pope sainted her? Uh, both teams with a big goose egg on this one. Uh, Jeff was trying to think of the element, so I just wrote down John. I think it... Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, we locked it in, so... <laughs> uh, JP won. Right. Well, the correct answer is Benedict the Fifteenth. I was going to say Urban Sixteen. I knew it was a high number. I couldn't remember. Yeah, Benedict the... 15th? Hmm. Question four is obligatory sports question. The Golden State Warriors currently play in Oakland, California. But where did this team originate in 1946? Believe it or not, both teams betting zero on this one. (laughs) So in um, giving it more consideration, maybe San Francisco, but we said uh, Eureka. Hmm. And uh, we know Matt's probably going to tell us the right answer, but uh, while Jeff was also thinking of the element, I just wrote down Detroit. Uh, Ken actually snuck in a kind of right answer because they did move to San Francisco at one point, but that was from Philadelphia. Yep, it is Philadelphia. Hmm. And question five, the category was Christmas. In which work by Shakespeare does a man dressed as a woman fall in love with a woman dressed as a man at Christmas? I believe this is for all the marbles. (laughs) Uh, Zero for Jupiter and ten for Maitland. Um, I hope I'm right. Uh, we were considering Twelfth Night due to the tie to Christmas and the fact that it's a comedy, but ultimately I felt like I remember this play being done in high school, and I think the love element and the cross-dressing element were in As You Like It. We uh, we went with Twelfth Night. Well, the correct answer is Twelfth Night. <laughs> Am I wrong about that, Neil? No, there is a there is a cross dress. They just don't fall in love with each other and, as oh, you like it. Okay. Yeah, someone does dress up like a woman. Yeah, she's the man. The uh, Amanda Bynes classic yeah. is based off Twelfth Night. Yeah, with Channing Tatum. Some say it's better. 
Could be. You got Channing Tatum, yeah. And uh, Amanda Bynes. You you had it. I'm sorry for uh, hey, buddy, persuading you. That's the way it goes. It's okay. Did you say it, Max? I did. Did it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the only re- the only way I remember that being a Christmas play is because of the 12th night because of Christmas. That's all. What a high-scoring game here while Matt tabulates these high scores. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to add them all up uh, one by one and it won't actually take me that long. Um, so we have a final score today. Um, Maitland's coming in with a... A number, uh, 45. <laughs> <laughs> it's a number. <laughs> it is a number. Uh, but today, um, but Jupiter Sandworms with 60 are today's cream of the crop. I am the cream. Hesitate to call that a cream of the crop. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's more like a, uh, an expired, uh, expired cream, expired yeah. creamer, <laughs> like cream of wheat that's been sitting in the bowl for in a the little office, bit. <laughs> in the office refrigerator. Yeah. It's yeah. like you, you really want some cream cheese, but, it, but you just have to do it. Even though it's going to taste terrible. Yeah. yeah. The apple with the least number of bruises that's left of the five of them in the bin at the grocery <laughs> store, yes. Uh, here today is a sour cream of the crop. Well, I, I think and I can I say that knowing full well that we're the most bruised one. <laughs> I think uh, I can speak for everyone here and say that uh, today's cream of the crop is actually Andrew with those yeah. questions. Well, I, it's kind of hard to gauge where the how hard and easy it's going to be, so... <laughs> Hey, no, I mean, this This show is about, uh, you know, we play the game, but it's yeah. for the listeners, and I think that this is going to be a great game for the listeners yeah. as well, uh, depending, you know, more academic or less academic yeah. uh, specialties. I think we came out of this with a lot more respect for your students, so that's so, right. So good on them. <laughs> so. Yeah, your students are the cream of the crop, really. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, thank you, Andrew, for joining us. Uh, let's throw it over to Max one more time to, to give Offbeat Tracks a little little extra plug yeah check us out if you love pop music or just want to re-remember songs you haven't thought about in 20 25 30 years offbeattrackscast.com and offbeat tracks on uh, every major podcast aggregator sweet and thanks for having me guys this oh. has been awesome yeah no thanks this for was, being on. yeah so max actually was in town from louisville so he was uh he actually drove all the way up here just for this episode That's no. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah thank you for making the trip and hanging out and having some donuts and yeah. uh it's it's a pleasure uh having you here so yeah Thank you. Uh, yeah, and uh, thanks to uh, our guests for hosting and being in the studio to join me on the uh, on the team, uh, the Maitlands, and uh, that was Triviality. Ice T is a detective with the Special Victims Unit. He handles New York's most sensitive cases. I love Ice-T on SVU. He is fantastic. He's awesome. What's so great about him is that he's been with the SVU for like mm, 11 years now, but he still treats every case like it's his first in terms of total confusion. (laughs) 